If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Welcome back to the Reynolds Rap Podcast. I am so happy to be with you today. Um, unlike some of the previous podcasts, this is actually one that uh, is recorded live. It's not a Bible class or a sermon series. I just concluded, uh, at least I finished up editing anyway, the podcast on LGBTQIA+, whatever the, all the uh, alphabet letters are that are on there. As of this date, I am unsure. But I wanted to spend some time with you talking a little bit about this issue and how it's impacting our churches. So in the previous podcast, I had shared the message that I was blessed to be able to go and deliver uh, in Cookville, Tennessee. Uh, The conversations that were had before that took place nearly a year in advance. We were talking about how to uh, let each of the speakers present uh, side of the issue, whereas we would not be all stepping on each other or repeating the same information to the congregation. And so uh, basically what we did was each one of us took uh, a little bit different uh, approach to it. Uh, the first speaker spoke about, and I talked about this in the last podcast, so I don't really want to dwell too much on it, but the first speaker basically gives an introduction. The second speaker talks about how to deal with it with little ones, and then I did uh, mainly teenagers, but I spoke to adults, there's a handful of teens in the audience, um, and I am currently on the road driving, as you can probably tell, and uh, just finished up at a lecture at Faulkner University. Now, if you're familiar with Faulkner University, there are two really good workshops throughout the year. One is called Connect, which is in the spring, uh, it was obviously this week, which is the um, the second or third week, I guess it is, in June. And then, uh, of course, they have the lectureship series, which they're bringing back, which will be in October this year. And that's called Reconnect. So uh, one of the topics that was discussed today was how LGBTQIA plus affects the church. And there were several things that were brought out and some things that I've thought about since then that I tried to write down um, to do a blog I did several blogs in June, or in May, sorry, on mental health. And so those are on my website at rayreynoldsrap.com. I talk about uh, ADHD. I talk about depression, anxiety, uh, eating disorders, um, PTSD, you name it. I I basically tackled those issues uh, in that series. And there were, I think, 25, I think, within 30 days. So uh, there's lots of information on there if you want to go check that out. 
But one of the things that was really present in my research was the effect that uh, this this transgender um, gender identity dilemma that we're facing now uh, in our country, really around the world, is a mental health issue. Uh, and I, I think I've brought this out in the blog, but I'll repeat it here for your just for you to be able to kind of get the perspective where I'm going with this. Uh, when you tell a child uh, when they're young that you're going to raise them with their, uh, as they say, assigned gender, that is, they're, they're born with a certain gender, we would say, male or female, that, uh, that a child can suddenly at any time, and they're targeting elementary children, by the way, you should be able to test the waters you may or may not be the gender that you were, quote, assigned at birth. So they encourage kindergarten, second grade, you know, maybe fifth grade kids up to that age, up to the preteen years, to consider that they might be the opposite sex that their parents tell them that they are. That is going to create a host of problems. Uh, you have a child that really thinks that they're a boy, and then you're going to tell them they could be a girl, that is, it is damaging to their psyche, to their um, personality disorder, to their uh, natural and physical characteristics. They will dress differently. Uh, they will act differently. And it impacts them not only because of what's going on in their mind and, and what they're dealing with on a daily basis, looking in the mirror, but what they will deal with in society, specifically with kids at school and family members that may question those changes. So in the podcast today, I want to talk about what the church does about this. How do we handle some of these issues in a, a biblical way? Now, in the previous podcast, I, I gave some examples on how to talk to your, your teenagers about this. We're going to take it even more practical here, and that is when we wrestle with it, uh, what exactly does it mean to be like Jesus in this in this scenario. Well, the first is I want us to remember Jesus' words when he says, to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need to know the facts. We need to know, first of all, biology. Now, I never thought in my life that they'd be pulling biology out of classrooms, but they are. They're teaching now that um, there are more than two genders. There are literally dozens of genders, and you can be gender fluid. So one day you wake up and say, I want to be a boy. The next day you wake up and say, I want to be a girl. And society is supposed to be fine with that. Whereas up until uh, just a few years ago, that was actually a mental health disorder. It was in the book and described as a mental disorder to say that you want to change genders. But because our society has embraced it so much, uh, you're, you're looked down upon sometimes in public if you disagree with it or if you shrug at this discussion specifically. So we need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. That means we need to know biology, but we also need to know the facts. Uh, this movement is, is less than 1% of our, um, you know, the people in the world. Less than 1% will consider themselves LGBTQIA. Less than 1%. They, they, it depends on which, uh, which source you're using, 
But some will say that on a, an extreme here in the United States, somewhere between 4 and 6, maybe at the most 7%, are in that questioning mode uh, that you know, either are LGBTQIA or questioning or gender fluid or whatever. Depends on which research you're, you're looking at. But the bottom line is is a very small group of people. And so we have to ask the question, why is this brought to the forefront? Why are churches having to get up and talk about it? Why are books being written? Why are there groups of individuals that are being persecuted for not openly accepting these things? One of the things that was talked about today was the gentleman who owned the bakery, I think it was like in Arizona, maybe California, I think it was Arizona, that um, refused to bake a cake for a uh, same-sex marriage ceremony. He refused to do it. He was sued, went all the way to the Supreme Court, he won, but it wasn't long before he was back in business that a transgender person came in and said, hey, I'm going to have a coming out party and I want to do this and this, and he said, no, still won't do it, and now he's in litigation again. So... People who are looking for a fight will find one. So we as the church, again, being wise as serpents, harmless as doves, need to know the facts and we need to be prepared for what happens next. Most of us, most of our churches probably, over the last five years, have established security teams. I know we have at our church, we had one in in, uh, in the works long before I got there, and I've been at our church for five years. But we have a deacon over this, and they have meetings regularly. Uh, they know where to be, what to do. They have all the, the software and the hardware to, to make sure and keep an eye on all the doors and the cameras. And we've got uh, a great team that takes care of that. And as prepared as we were and are for anything, I mean, we're, we're trying our best to be ready if something happens. Why did we do that? To keep us safe, to make sure that the people within the congregation uh, not only are safe but feel safe, that we've got things under control and our security team knows what they're doing. And there's several of them that are at work every Sunday, and I'm amazed at how quickly they jump into action when we have visitors that we don't know. They're very careful. You know, they We don't have to worry about it because they're taking care of it. So we're, we're very quick to protect our churches from physical harm, but what about emotional and spiritual harm that comes from a movement like this? How can we prepare ourselves? One of the things that we talked about in this seminar today was that our churches need to be prepared with the right forms, the right paperwork, if you will, to go ahead and protect ourselves should there be an issue someone come to our congregation. For instance, this goes back to the cake guy. Uh, if there is someone that comes to your church and uh, they want to have a same-sex marriage ceremony and you have been known to rent your facility out, some of us have facility rental agreements. I know we do. I've worked at three churches that have helped. I actually helped write one for another congregation a few weeks ago. But if you rent your facilities out to you know, whoever, and you let the Red, Red Cross come in and do their blood drive, and you, you know, you do this and that and offer it to people in the community, and you have a thing for the police and a thing for the fire department, a thing for teachers, and uh, you have fifth quarters there and stuff like that. You have all these times when your building is open, 
if you rent your building or your facility, obviously being a um, in public view because we we want people to know where we are and who we are, we put ourselves in a position where it may be asked of us to rent our facility. So if somebody does want to rent the facility, we have some paperwork that says here are the requirements. One of the things that I would suggest, and this is this goes back to some of the things we talked about today, I'm adding to it, of course, um, is you need to have a document that says that the facilities at your church are only uh, rented to church members. That might be one way to subvert this. As you say, we're going to drop a document, and it says that you have to be an active member on the role of the church in order to use rent or uh, whatever the facilities at the church building. You can also have in the same paperwork a list of uh, bylaws, if you will, or maybe some, uh, I hate to say a doctrinal statement because I know within our fellowship we don't, we don't really do that but a list of things that the building can be used for. And so that way when somebody comes asking, uh, this is a document that's been agreed upon by the trustees. By the way, if you don't have trustees uh, within your congregation, you need to work on that. You need to have a, uh, a group of individuals that can be called upon should the building need to be sold or uh, buy property. It's just a good practice. You'd have at least one meeting a year to discuss church business, uh, and it doesn't have to be long. Just maybe the first Sunday or second Sunday of the new year, um, present any business that needs to come up, and it, it could be a quick meeting. But you need to do that. Legally, you need to do that, I believe. At least that's what I've been told, and that's what we do. Uh, and when it comes to this kind of a conversation, you can approve it. You can vote on it. And then you have these bylaws in place that say we will not use our facilities for the purpose of uh, same-sex marriages or gender reveal parties or whatever else you want to put in there that you should be safe under the First Amendment. You should be able to not have any stress or worry uh, due to the freedoms that you have. Uh, but to get that in place is important. And I think it would be great if we could network churches where, like, we have a facilities agreement for people who rent our building. But if we, if somebody else has a document like this, I encourage you to email it to me um, so we can have a, a template to pass around to other congregations and we can work together to ensure that we're staying within legal guidelines uh, and protected in the case that someone or a group chooses to come against us as a church or as a organization, whatever the case may be. And I think that's smart. Um, uh, one of the things we talk about, too, uh, even after class, some of us are talking about whether or not to have an attorney on retainer uh, to help deal with something like this. That's up to you and to your congregation. But just know that we're seeing this all over the place. There are four cases right now in the state of Alabama, one in Mobile, which is just around the corner from where I live, that are uh, on their currently dealing with, with this particular issue where a lawsuit's been brought up against a church or not allowing someone to come in and I don't remember if it was to use the bathroom or, or something like that. They weren't allowed to go into the opposite sex's bathroom and if you're 
um, you know, if, you, if you're forbidding a, um, a person who was born a man to go into a woman's bathroom, uh, we would say that's the way it should be. You know, a man goes into a man's bathroom, a woman goes into a woman's bathroom. But uh, we have an opportunity in this to be able to say, hey, look, we need to, uh, we need to, we, we can't allow this. We cannot allow it. We're not going to let it happen. And when you do, be ready because they may try to bring a lawsuit against you. The best way to prevent disaster is to go ahead and start talking about it, praying about it, and getting ourselves ready so we don't have to worry about um, that liability. Um, personally, even my wife and I, we, we use, we've just, I'll just be straight up, we use State Farm Insurance. And I think, it, I think it's great. I don't know who you use for your insurance, but it's good to have a liability policy, uh, even on yourself, uh, to prepare you. Because uh, you don't ever know if sometimes something may be said, something may be done, and you have to, uh, you know, give an account. You have to you get called up on the carpet uh, to, to be able to handle something like this. Maybe uh, you're called before a court to, to testify. And this is something that Jesus warned his disciples about. You know, they're going to, they're going to haul you into court. They're going to do all this kind of stuff against you. That's part of the persecution against Christianity. But if we're going to be wise, uh, we need to go ahead and get our heads together. I don't, I'm don't. i not an expert in this field. Obviously, I would leave that to my wife. She's the attorney. But um, from my perspective, spiritually, prepare for the headache and, and allow your congregation to know, hey, we have some, some plans should these things happen. Uh so that's from the legal perspective. Now, another thing, too, again, we're being wise serpents, harmless stuff. We need to educate our congregation on what's going on in our community. I do know that in years past, you go back to the time just after the founding of this country and look at the way that ministers use their pulpit. They used it sometimes. They talk about politics and things like that. I'm not saying you need to do that from the pulpit, but I am saying you need to be you need to have your finger on the pulse of our culture. And if I'm talking to a minister right now or a teacher, you need to make plans, ASAP, to talk to your students or to your congregation about these particular issues because all of us are talking about it anyway. And I'm not talking about just going through and giving verse by verse against homosexuality and verse by verse about transgenderism. We, most of us know those verses. I think that's important to bring up and to deal with it. Preach the truth, absolutely. But what I'm talking about is doing it in a practical way. You say, well, we know what the Bible says on this issue. Bring that to the forefront. And then say, how do I teach, share, um, discuss, debate these topics with people that are close to me? And I do think it's going to come up, and we need to be educated enough to be able to handle a civil argument at best. You know, if, if we could get if we could get to sit down with someone and go from a biology standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, I mean, we, could, we could talk about um, you know, how the mind works. We can talk about how the body works and so forth. But we need to we need to know how to have a conversation with someone, a civil conversation with someone about this particular issue. And I say that because. People are emotional on this issue. In fact, many of us probably have friends or loved ones that we know that um, have someone in their family that is, uh, you know, a lesbian or a, a homosexual gay guy. Most of us probably know people that they, they have family members and friends that struggle with these issues. 
And so it, they're emotionally wrapped up in the conversation. Uh, I am a little more emotional when it comes to issues of divorce because I've been through a divorce and I know uh, how difficult that can be on an individual and on the children and on the in-laws and everybody else that's involved. And so I get emotional when I talk about that issue. And you would expect someone who's discussing this with you, if they have family members and friends, they're going to get emotional about it. So we have to try our best to stay away from those nerves, right? We don't want to, we don't want to step there. I'm not saying you have to walk on broken glass, but just be very careful that when they hear you, they hear Jesus. It is in love. It is in, um, you know, the utmost compassion that you can give to someone. And I also want to encourage you to listen. You need to be able to debate, discuss, you know, share Bible, share biology, so forth. But you also need to listen to people. Some of the people who have gone down these roads and personally are dealing with these issues are because some of them have, have suffered through abuse. Some of them have been bullied. They have been mistreated. They have all kinds of questions about who they are, what their value is, um, what people think about them. And I, I think I mentioned in the previous podcast that there are people who will travel down this road and decide to, to gender swap or to become gender fluid because of what the culture says. And right now it is the fad. It's the cultural thing. It's like bell bottoms, you know. It's in season right now. This is this is the season where people are making these choices. I am fearful, as you should be too, about this being talked about with our children before it's talked about with us. And there are some states that'll actually allow your child to make decisions to reassign their own gender without your knowledge, let alone approval. So it's it's definitely something to keep. In mind, we need to be educated on it. We need to learn uh, what what the culture is saying. We need to learn what uh, people, even some of our uh, our children's idols, if you will. I hate using the word idol, but uh, the people that are their heroes, people they look up to, the people that they listen to their music, they love them, their movies, their TV shows. It's really hard right now. I think probably one of the hardest things I've had to do. You know, I'm. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, have been my whole life. Anybody who knows me knows I love Star Wars. Um, but I am literally sickened by what Disney is doing with the franchise. I think that there's a lot of great things. I love what they're doing with Mandalorian. I love uh, some of the things that they're trying to do with the new TV series and some of the comic books and so forth. But they are, are constantly inserting uh, these LGBTQ ideals in these shows, and that's Star Wars, but they're doing it even more in their cartoons, they're doing it more in their television station channels, and so we need to be alert to that, so listen and pay attention to what your kids are watching, and if you've got a kid who absolutely adores some person, you need to check and see, because if they're not, like, I'll give you an example, Taylor Swift's a great example, uh, people are like, oh, we love her, she's the greatest. Well, do you know her stance on this particular issue? Have you heard what she said? She's very vocal about this in song, 
the Calm Down song was meant for Christians to calm down and be more compassionate when it comes to people who deal with this uh, particular issue and, and struggle with being accepted because of their gender choice. So who are your friends, who are your children listening to? What are they watching on television? Where do they stand? Because that will influence your child on their particular viewpoint. So, um, so be compassionate, listen, pay attention, and we need to be discussing this in our church family. We need to be having Bible classes about it. Uh, we need to have it, uh, appropriate classes for children to be able to talk about it. Parents can be in there. And then we need to be preaching on it from the pulpit. That this is this is what God's will is for humanity. This is what God has planned since the beginning when he created Adam and then he created Eve to be his helper. And the two of them were able to populate the earth. And it was never meant to be two men or two women. And anything like that that's discussed in Scripture is always, I say again, always seen as an abomination. It is against nature. And I have counseling. From time to time I have done that with people who have struggled with this issue. I had a gentleman one time at a church. He, probably the worst case that I had ever seen. And he had never married. He had wrestled with this uh, issue his whole life. And he came to me and said he was struggling with it, and we prayed about it. Uh, he got some help, and uh, you know, he but he really he really struggled with it. So when people say this is an issue for them, we need to take that to heart and be prayerful for them. We need to be encouraging that they you know, stay on the stay on the right path. But educate the church family. Talk about this issue. Um, it's a great thing, too, for our elders to be equipped on how to counsel or shepherd people that have uh, dealt with this issue, mentor families who are currently struggling through this as well. And that's really how the church stands out to be the light and the salt. If people only see that Christians are shouting and screaming and holding protests uh, in opposition to this, we look exactly like the enemy. We don't need to look like the devil. We need to look like Jesus. We love people. We do not accept the sin that they practice, uh, the same as we wouldn't accept someone who was drunk in the pew or committing adultery in the congregation. We wouldn't tolerate those things. We know those are biblically wrong. So the church needs to know where we stand, and we do take a solid stand on this. So the final thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll end this podcast. Thank you for hanging with me, by the way is if there is no voice and there is no um, public discussion or at least something that is placed on your website or in places where um, things are visible in social media, people are going to assume that you're in favor of it. I'm just telling you. Uh, Your apps right now have all changed colors to rainbow. The, the world believes that everyone accepts this mindset. It's true. I mean, you, the majority of people think that that this this is something everyone accepts. I mean, churches accept. The Latter-day Saints is one of the first ones to jump out in favor of it. The Catholic Church is riding very closely uh, to be able to accept LGBTQ lifestyle. And so I'm telling you, if you don't say something about it and you don't exercise your right 
your constitutional right to say, I don't want this shoved down my throat, I don't agree with it, then this will only get worse. It's time for us as Christians to stand up. I said that on my page a few weeks ago. I had a friend who just chewed me up and down, and it happens all the time. When I, when I talk about homosexuality or abortion, those are the two issues, I get just, I mean, a text message, uh, instant message. I mean, they just take over my Facebook page. But these are issues that we have to take a stand for what is right, because if we don't, we look like culture. We look like the rest of the world. So don't be ashamed to voice your opposition to this movement. Uh, you can do that, teach the truth in love. But if we do not stand up, it looks like we're with everyone else. And I think that was the fear that uh, God had for Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, he, he wanted him out of there. And, uh, and and Abraham wanted him out of there. But they had so uh, been so engrossed and so immersed in the culture that the, the adulterous activity, the sinful sexual activity was passed on to Lot's daughters because they had seen it so much. Just a terrible, terrible story in the Bible, but God had to punish those who did this sin. And, and think about, I mean, that's just there. There are other places in the Bible where this happens. There's sexual immorality taking place in Genesis 6. That's why the flood came. Um, lots of stuff like that. Several stories where God had to punish cities because of their um, their immorality, if you will. So uh, I'm going to leave it there. I just think this is something that we need to be talking about more. Uh, you're welcome to. If you didn't hear the last podcast, just click back. Uh, the previous podcast, again, was reported at the Cookville Church of Christ, or not Cookville Church of Christ, it was Jefferson Avenue in Cookville. Uh, and uh, I hope that that helps you. Still hoping in the near future to bring on some people to have this discussion openly. Maybe we'll do that during Titus Camp. Um, but I want I want to encourage you just to be educated on this issue and um, and be like Jesus when it's discussed around you. Appreciate so much you tuning in. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, go check out PeachtreePress.org. Uh, we've got some books and things on there that are for sale. And uh, also check out ReclaimingHopeMinistry.com. We've got our um, recent podcast on there as well. And lots of exciting things that are happening throughout this year. A couple more books are going to be coming out, some journals that are going to come out. I hope that you uh, take advantage of those. Thank you again so much for tuning in to Ray Reynolds Rap. Uh, and, uh, and know that, that I am praying for you and grateful for you and hope that you will be blessed. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.